So there are so many things that you can Google today and do. Um, one example I had mentioned for, for Valentine's Day, we did superlatives. So uh, we broke teams off into smaller groups and we had each team choose a superlative for the members of another group. So some examples is like uh, best me backgrounds or most likely to snack during a call. And then we presented those in the next town hall. And you hire Svelte is a great way and opportunity to just meet other people on the team and existing employees, uh, learn something about even like our longest standing team members. Uh, that was very fun and special. Another example for Halloween, we had everyone everyone who wanted to participate sure, sure. put on costumes in the past that were very elaborate. And then we made a competition where people voted on who had the best costume. And this is connecting your personal life yep. with their professional yep. life. We didn't ask them to show up in costumes. Hey everybody, welcome to Leading From Afar a podcast by remote leaders for remote leaders, aimed at sharing knowledge and experience to help make remote awesome within your companies. I'm Scott Markovitz. I was the first hire at Envision and helped build the foundations of the company for marketing, sales, product, operations, and pretty much everything in between. I've also mentored and consulted with hundreds of early stage startups, including a bunch of remote ones. Each episode, we'll speak about hot topics, trends, and the future of remote work. We'll also interview some super smart leaders at all levels of remote teams and introduce you to new tools that can help you succeed as a remote leader. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning into the show today. I'm your host, Scott Markovitz. Today I'm joined by my good friend, Lee Rubin, the CEO and co-founder of Confetti. And Lee's building what we'll call the Airbnb virtual and hybrid events, helping teams have fun together, whether playing games, doing interactive classes together, or maybe even trying to do escape from a virtual escape room and a lot more. In this episode, we spoke about how remote and hybrid teams can use fun to build deeper relationships and trust within the organization. Lee shared quite a few nuggets of wisdom that even I didn't think about. Like in a previous episode about the crypto future of work, we spoke about how companies may look like DAOs in the future, having a small core team and then bringing in experts and specific teams to complete micro tasks and then moving out of the team. So Lee touched upon how important it was to build a connection and interaction with those outsourced teams, both the connection to the core team, but also the connection with each other on that outsourced team. Another great tip was how intentionally, how to intentionally build in engagement in less interactive events, like an origami class by asking the team to submit a picture of their origami in Slack, and then having a contest like best origami or most original. So if you're a leader wondering how to foster better employee engagement and have fun with your team, well, this episode is for you. Good morning, Lee. How are you doing today? Good morning, Scott. I'm doing great. How about yourself? Doing well. It's, uh, it was almost 80 degrees and sunny here today. Uh, I heard that uh, the weather in New York maybe not be as nice. Uh, how, how's it going over there? Well, uh, luckily for me, I guess I am in Miami right now. So uh, pretty, pretty bright and sunny all year long, except for actually in the summertime when there's rain uh, for hurricane season. So um, I'm feeling good weather wise. And I'm actually uh, heading off to Asheville today for uh, meeting, meeting a, a friend. So I'm excited nice. to, to kind of travel and Awesome. Yeah, it's always nice to get out of town and get a change of scenery, especially after the last two and a half years where most people were probably locked down quite a bit. Uh, the opportunity to get out of uh, the house and get around to new scenery is definitely exciting. I would love to, to go somewhere myself and hopefully one of these days. Um, before we dive into the topic today, I just wanted to kind of throw out, as, as we're trying to do for this season, throw out a new topic that's not related to the episode today, just to kind of as a conversation starter. Um, I was having this, this this discussion, can't speak this morning, uh, this discussion yesterday with my team. I actually read an article about it this morning. Um, the idea of where benefits and those things are going for, for starting for companies, uh, remote work used to be a wonderful perk that you could offer, even probably through most of the pandemic, full-time remote was a nice perk to add. Um, now it's kind of a requirement. There are a lot of companies, including the cloud app who I'm with now, are moving to a four-day work week. And a lot of companies are moving in that direction. 
So where do you see like the next iteration of those benefits that are going to target and hire new new talent? And if now you're hiring remotely, now you have access to the best talent that's anywhere in the world. Uh, now going to have to be fighting over the best of the best. Um, it may obviously not come down just to salary. And again, we're past remote work. We're potentially past four day work weeks. What do you see is maybe the next iteration of those things that are going to be the, the sweeteners to get people to join your company? Yeah, uh, it's a great question. And I, I'm definitely thinking a lot about the four day work week uh, since it's really gained popularity and as a company and as a, I, I think still a small growing startup in specifically in the event space that uh, is really truly Monday through Friday at, right now, but even has the possibility of uh, being throughout the entire week, uh, seven days a week. Uh, and I would you know say like Airbnb and Uber, you know, those, those companies never stop. Uh, four to work weeks is is a challenge and truly you need a lot of capital in order to to do it right i think the next evolution of what this looks like and it's it's really what we're aiming to try to achieve here at confetti is uh, essentially twofold one of them is we don't have an unlimited vacation policy because i think that brings the wrong context out of like what it is that you can do you can't really take an unlimited vacation so it's kind of like false false marketing um, we do have an unlimited take what you need policy. So it's really humanizing the workplace and saying like, look, you know, we're all humans. We know life happens. We don't want to uh, scold you for having to take the week off because your kid is sick and this is life. And so we want to support you through that journey of life. Um, another thing that we, we have um, that we're working towards, the take what you need policy has served us well over the past uh, two years of existence the um the thing that we're working towards is creating a shared uh work like workload sometimes in, in an, a company it's very clear how one person's working harder than the other uh but using a certain like data and kpis of what you know the average a person can be doing and creating a more distributed workload and, and getting more data around that, you can actually say, hey, you know, on days where it's easy at work, where it's all easy for everyone. When days that it's hard, it's, it's kind of hard for everyone. And this is obviously a little bit harder to do with, I would say, some roles that might be very um, specialized, yeah. like marketing, but for a customer support team, this is what we're transitioning to. So looking at data and seeing how that that can be possible. Interesting. It's, it's, it's a point that I, I've spoken about in a couple episodes um, with the move towards getting away from perceived um, is what the office was, right? I saw you in the office. You were the first one in. You were the last one in. You were the one always on the phone. It was a perceived value, um, perceived work. And then obviously moving towards output. You, know, you as a customer support person, you answer 20 tickets in, in Zendesk. You're a developer. You push this bug fix every X number of days. You're a marketing person. You, you know, post a, a blog post every once a week. Um, but the, one of the challenges the things that I've been thinking about is there's a lot of positions, especially on the operational side, where there really isn't things you can measure. Um, it isn't a something, okay, at the end of the day, I can see this. I can see a new feature. I could see I could see a marketing campaign. I could see support tickets. It's okay, and we're moving towards asynchronous communication. How, how do you measure the output outside of you know, getting feedback, doing pulse surveys beforehand, and then kind of during the process and add over the process? And so it's, it's not the same sense of output um, and how you measure that. So I think those are the things that have been going around my head as we the world transitions more towards output-based. And I think even beyond that, the next iteration past that will be impact-based um, and you know, the most bang for the buck versus uh, making a certain number of you know, sales per day. Um, yeah, I think it's an interesting idea of, of what you're trying to do and you know, how, yeah, how you kind of quantify certain areas within the company uh, will be, be quite interesting uh, to see. Uh, usually the first way. I agree with you that that um, measuring the impact of ops and creating these pulse checks is currently one of the only ways to, to kind of quantify that we see is saying, hey, what's your pain point? You know, measure it from one to 10, how challenging this this certain action is for you. Create a solution to it and say, is this an improvement? How how much has that pain yep. gone away? Um yeah, it's uh, one of those things with the remote work and the future of work that will 
come to find out. It's a lot of hypothesis at this point, but uh, we'll take time and making mistakes and doing things right to, uh, to figure out uh, what works and what doesn't. But usually the way that we start off is just you know, tell us a little bit more about yourself and the origin story of Confetti. Absolutely. Well, first of all, thanks for having me, Scott. I'm I'm really happy to be here and uh, hope that the information that we share in today's session brings the people that are listening to a value. I know you and I have uh, the same goals in mind, so that's what connected us between me and you. Uh, I'm Lee. I'm the founder and CEO of Confetti. And at this point, I actually founded Confetti just around eight years ago, so it's been quite a journey wow. since. And the way that it originally started, yeah, it's, I sometimes think like, oh my gosh, I, I started at the age of 23 and now I'm in my 30s, so a lot of time has transpired. Uh, so Confetti really originated when I was working at another startup and I witnessed coworkers struggle with the confusing and complicated process of organizing team events with really zero event planning experience. We were given a very generous $120 per employee per month to spend on team building. So the, in, the intention was very good and the intention was there. But a lot of the times the team would go and spend it on alcohol and go to the bar. And then HR would be like, hey, y'all need to stop spending our culture budget on alcohol. You need to go and do like a productive team building event. At the time, I was uh, actually the only female on my team, which is why I think sometimes the guys were like, Lee, you go ahead and you plan the events for the team. And I had no idea how to plan a team building event. Uh, so I started going to the internet and I started searching for vendors and I started negotiating with them different contracts and realized that this was an extremely time intensive process to put together an event. And when you're given a budget of $120 per month, you, by the time you finish planning and you do the event, you're off to the next event and you need to plan the next one. So it really made me ask myself, is there an easier way to create meaningful events that are simple to plan and ones that genuinely bring the team closer and improve work culture? So fast forward a few years after that kind of initial uh, creation of, of the idea and working as a really corporate uh, planning, uh, almost like an agency style portion of the business. I, I'd always had the dreams of building it with technology in mind. So I partnered up with my today, my co-founder and CTO, Ayan, and we came together to build an intuitive online marketplace designed specifically for this purpose. And I think what was special about the journey is over the first you know, year, two years of building Confetti, I really went to solve the simplicity of trying to make events really easy to plan. And then I realized that the impact of creating an event that really has value and that people really enjoy truly brings people together. And when you do that in a, cor in a corporate setting, when you, when you bring people together, it, it improves the culture, it improves the way that they work together. And I thought to myself, if you do this on a consistent basis, would this actually make the companies more successful? And seeing you know, thousands of companies and, and building on their culture over the past uh, few years, I, I can confidently say that it does. I completely agree with you. It's something that has been needed a long time in a remote work, even just, I think for a small team, I mean, not, not necessarily an entire company. What is the entire company going to do? Um, I've been a big believer in, in async for a while and trying to move meetings, team meetings, one-on-one -on -one meetings. I'm doing that now. Um, my team's now of all the work related stuff, pushing that towards async and, and using that time that's in the calendar for more team building, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or whether it's with the team. And I think number one is just, coming up with ideas of things to do, right? It's okay, do, do we play a game? Do we like, what do we do? I mean, especially if you're doing this like every every week, every two weeks, like how many times can you play whiteboard Pictionary? How many times can you, you know, do a Netflix party? There's so many things like you, you have no idea what's out there. Then does a leader, does a manager have the time to be able to go and search, okay, you know, what, what ideas, what can I find? What's the call, all the logistics around it. So I think your you know, confetti is here at the perfect, absolutely perfect time that there's such a desperate need. You know, the world is now, you now is a standard remote work. Um, culture piece, I think, hasn't caught up to where remote is and where remote's going. And I think that's obviously in the process. And, uh, and 
team events and team building and team engagement is one of the most important pieces that needs to have that emphasis and needs to be you know, prioritized for, for this year and for next year. And uh, again, I think you're at a, at a perfect place to, to be able to help companies just make it simple and you know, find something to look through a, like an Airbnb type things. Okay. What types of things we want to do easily book. Fantastic. You know, great event uh, that happens every, every week or whenever uh, where we need it. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's been a beautiful journey and the impact has, has been immense. Yeah. So uh, the first easy question is, you know, what kind of programs and events does the Confetti currently offer? Yeah, good question. Uh, I will also say that, you know, given the fact that we started at this point eight years ago, we were originally born for the in-person world. This is This is what the original Confetti vision was all about. And when COVID hit, everyone that we would be in a lot of trouble. <laughs> Our investors were very much concerned. Um, but we really took this opportunity to pivot and, and be agile and test ourselves to new limits. Yep. And, and that was when we moved over to virtual. So today there's, there's three main categories of events that Confetti offers. There's hosted games like Coworker Feud or themed ones like Woman History Day Jeopardy. Uh, we have hosted experiences. This is like drag queen trivia, which is great for Pride Month, which is coming up. Uh, Black History Museum Storytelling Tour, which was great for uh, this February's Black History Month. Uh, and shippable experiences. And these include everything like cookie bakings to tequila tastings. And we've recently just launched a new category called goodies, which allows you to add things like snacks, drinks, prizes, and other goodies uh, to your experience as well. Excellent. I like that idea. Um, from the data that you're seeing in the companies who are using confetti, uh, are there specific use cases that you're seeing so far of the, the type of events that are interested and in, in maybe um, around certain milestones or even is it just based on like team fun or maybe is it uh, no, on leadership building? Do you have any use cases or any kind of commonality so far that you're seeing? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. So I think that there's really a broad range of use cases for these types of events. And obviously the, the most clearest one that people are often coming to us for is that team building, that team bonding. And I'm sure, you know, Scott, you've, you've been through this. Now that we're in a fully remote environment, there's much more limited uh, spontaneous moments of connection. Yep. So in the in-person world, we have these, you know, over-the-counter kitchen moments, or you turn a corner and you're like, hey, Bob, how's it going? Uh, you need to find new ways to create sure. that in, in today's world. So the the team building is, is really for connecting these employees together and trying to get them to step away from their work for a minute and see each other as the individuals actually that we're working with. And that uh, worked in a few different ways. For example, in that onboarding phase of a new employee, this is a very integral time to connect them to all their new employees and, and again, humanize the work yeah. because, right? I mean, you get nervous when you're on your first yeah. uh, day at a job or first week or first month. There's a lot of proving that you need to do. And what's something to kind of break the ice then to just realize, hey, your boss is a little, a little goofy and that's kind of fun. Sure. It gives you the ability to be a little bit more confident. Uh, the other thing is there are more companies stepping into what's called like an agile workforce. So uh, they build together different teams for different projects. And these are people that haven't worked together before. Yep. So a project-based uh, team building where you're saying, hey, you know, Scott and Lee, you're, you're going to work on a fun podcast together. Before you do that, why don't you play a little game of, of charades just to break the ice and get, e get each other comfortable with one another? And then, of course, there's um, really how, like, you know, good games is is a great supporting factor for creating these elements of, of team building. Uh, other reasons is for DE&I, of course. So uh, the fact that Black History Month was this month and um, actually particularly excited about this and at least in the past, Black History Month didn't didn't hit as much. It wasn't one of our most popular experiences or collections on the platform. But this year, that's really changed. And it's showing that more companies are getting themselves involved in the kind of cultural elements that build a, a good company. Women's History Month is coming up. And we did a, a recent PR, art, PR article 
And one of our uh, uh, vendors, Dante, said, like, this is showing that companies are celebrating. Hello, Scott. Yeah, can you? I'm still here. I see. The okay, cool. There's a, there's, there was a, a little flash on the screen. So I just want to make sure we're still on. Um, one of our vendors recently shared that this is a, uh, that people are, are, are celebrated. They're not just accepted. Yeah. This isn't just a checkbox that this is a, a group of people within the company that are, are truly celebrated, uh, in, in the workforce. Then there's health and wellness, um, med and fitness classes, desk or size, uh, which is our, our fun little yoga, but things that you can do in front of the desk to keep you stretched. Uh, educational and cultural uh, experience, whether it's like learning how to fold origami, taking a tour at the Natural History Museum. And ultimately, my belief is that when we are cultured, we are more accepting. And there's just talking points that we can have when we're in front of the people that we're working with that should be diverse. And whether it's our own coworkers or clients or vendors, uh, this is all reasons that uh, make the business stronger. And things that we're looking forward to is professional development and leadership. Yeah. How do we create fun experiences that really develop these uh, the professional elements of us? Yeah, there are two points I, I really like that I, maybe let's try to unpack this a little bit. I'll start with the second one first around diversity. And I think that's one of the benefits that I don't think anybody really thought about with remote work. Um, when you're hiring across the world, you're hiring different languages and cultures and religions and things like that. And kind of just by default, by proxy, you're making your team more diverse. And, and like you said, I think having that opportunity to celebrate that, and it's not just, oh, okay, great. No, we have we have some different languages. We have some different cultures here. Okay, no, that, that's nice. Um, but we're trying to put an emphasis on that and build engagement points and build uh, programs around that. I think it's, it's super fascinating and would love to hear more about that. I think the second one, which is also interesting, is the project team. Um, and this is something that came up in a couple of podcasts, one probably about two podcasts ago with uh, a fellow, Jor Poleg, um, who is speaking like very into the future of work and crypto and things like that. And the topic of the, the show was the future, uh, the crypt future of work. And in theory, how companies in the future may look and act very much like DAOs where you have like a central core system, like a, a team, like a founding team that comes in. And then, as you said, you bring in a handful of people to do some project and then they come in and out and they're interchangeable and they, and they can contribute where needed. And never really thought about that aspect of, hey, you know, you have these four or five number of people that are coming together as a team to work on a project. Hey, like it's important to engage them to build a relationship between them as well, because they're probably not a team coming together. Um, there's lots of these teams. I know there's one here in Israel, a team amongst other ones who are you know, taking like a great designer and a great developer and a product manager. So those people may not have worked with each other, or maybe even if they have, they're probably just focused on work. So there is no relationship building there. So it's very interesting, like that idea to say, okay, even this outsourced kind of this outsourced team or this team who's coming in for a certain project, like it's important to, to engage them and build a relationship with them among in, in, in as much as it is with the rest of the team. That's, that, that's very interesting. Yeah, you're, you're spot on with that. Ultimately, the way that I, I see it is some of the biggest friction points that happen in a workplace is communication based. And there's, there's often a very, you know, challenging lack of empathy to fully understand people's jobs, literally, what are they responsible for? I once learned in, uh, I think it was consumer behavior back in college, where you, when you see your roommates or if you see the person that you're living with, your significant other, it's always very easy to be like, I'm the one who's doing the, the most work in this mm -hmm. house, right? I'm taking out the trash, I'm cleaning the yep. And it's because you're actually doing the work. So you obviously are know and you're like, your memory is very clearly linked to the work that you're yep. doing. When you're not doing the work that other people are doing, it's very hard for you to empathize and say, wow, you are doing a lot for this mm. house. I forgot that you cleaned the windows the other day and now it's, you know, so hard to yep. do. So uh, similarly in, in a workplace, if you're not doing somebody's job and you don't know the intricacies of their professional life, it's very hard to empathize and say, hey, what are you doing over sure. there in the marketing? <laughs> Just writing <laughs> Just blogs all day. Like nobody reads those things. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so 
what I think the beauty of team building really does is before we jump into working together on these projects, why don't we actually just view ourselves as new human beings? Mm. And the next time you go into that challenging conversation with someone, instead of you having that energy of saying like, oh, Scott, you know, what did you do here? Did, did you even work on this? Did you think yeah. twice? It's more like, I, you know, I saw your kids on, on the Zoom yeah. video the other day. Like, I, they were so cute. They were running in the background. And like, this is, these are the moments that actually take, give you like a, take a breath yeah. and, you know, recognize the person for who they are. And then let's have that conversation in a constructive and a productive way. I, I love that. Even maybe bringing back your point before about the onboarding process. If you're a company in kind of hyperscale where you're onboarding, could be three, four, five, multiple people's every week or month or things like that. And you're maybe using like an onboarding class. Like that's an interesting opportunity where let's run these events for, just for that onboarding class. And even if you may not be on the same team, but try like you're new. So you're all new together. And how do you build that relationship at the beginning that maybe then helps you once you've moved into your team, how to collaborate better with people in other teams. That's, 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 that's very interesting. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, he's moving to the next question. There's still many companies, unfortunately, I'll call it fortunately, fortunately, um, they're still focused around a hybrid model. And I, I won't rant on that in this episode. Uh, we'll just try to get to the most important point. Um, but companies that are operating in hybrid, so again, they may have people in a central headquarters and home or multiple spaces and home or what, whatever that looks like. What do you say would be the optimal format for doing these types of events for hybrid companies? Is it doing like a concurrent on-site event at the same time as a virtual one uh, to doing separating them. So, okay, your on-site team gets like one type of event separate from your remote team or, or is saying, hey, everyone in the company is getting the same virtual experience. So even if you're in the same office, you're all going to be on the same Zoom in your own little box, uh, you know, making origami or doing wine tasting. Uh, again, from the data, what you're seeing with the companies, what do you think is the, is the optimal format for these hybrid companies? Yeah, this is this is genuinely and transparently, this is a hard one. And I, I want to preface that remote work is still considerably new, all things considered, oh, yeah. for the large majority of companies, right? And even if you take life before COVID, essentially, there was usually two things that we found. One of them was the companies that were fully remote. And because there wasn't an appetite for virtual events, there wasn't a lot of things for them to do in a professional structure. Sure. There was also another thing that I learned earlier on in the pandemic, which I thought was super interesting. And there were companies that had this hybrid model, right? They had their employees in the office and they had some of their more uh, junior employees um, that were remote, uh, the people that often worked at the warehouse that they didn't actually see fully as their real employees. And the, uh, what we found out is once COVID hit and we had the opportunity of all of a sudden doing virtual events, these companies that had these uh, high models all of a sudden invited the people that worked at the warehouse or that worked remotely. And because this was the first time that these people were invited. Those people were confused. They were, they literally didn't attend the events and these, uh, HR people would come to them and say, Hey, you know, we invited you to the virtual happy hour. What, why haven't all of you come? And they would respond saying, you never invited us before so what's changed like we were never really part of this team before what 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 is the difference now and i think that you know in in the past we can't we can't make the same mistakes and i'm, I'm seeing a lot of trends right now that have these like swanky retreats and part of my fear is that companies are going to become again, following that same pattern where only like the top employees or the elite employees get to see each other in person. And then there's everyone else that gets subjected to that Zoom happy hour because mm. it's a lot more affordable to, to get people together remotely yeah. than in person. So this is something we need to be very careful of. 
Um, to add to that, I think that ultimately a lot of things come down to budget and I don't want to pick on Etsy. I'm a huge fan of them. I love what they're doing. I love their parental leave policy, but I'll give that as an example to start this conversation because Etsy put together an incredibly generous parental leave policy, like one that I would love to give my employees. I think they had like six months yep. of fully paid parental leave for fostering, for adopting, for both genders, anything you can imagine. It was, it was incredibly generous. And they had a hashtag said, show us your leave. And I think that this is challenging because I'm a small startup. I don't have the essentially infinite pocket yep. that Etsy has to give this parental leave policy. And I think companies need to be careful not to shame other companies that just don't have these big budgets. This is a, a challenge. You can, you know, I would love to ship, to send all my employees to the south of Spain to do an upcoming retreat. We don't have, we don't have that capital sure. yet. So it's really a matter of doing what it is that you can, right? Maybe a, a low income family, that special moment in their, uh, their, their time together as a family is going and grabbing ice cream. And maybe for, you know, like some other families that are more fortunate, that ice cream is something that they do every single sure. day. And it's like not that special moment. So I think that the intention is the most important thing. And the communication is the most important thing that's going to build a healthy culture. Yep. Now, to answer your question, because <laughs> I do want to sure. answer it, uh, what is this ideal event distribution look like? And I think that um, the way that we're approaching it here at Confetti is you should try to find an equal distribution. What I'm saying that is if most of your employees are remote, then do more emphasis on virtual events. If your employees are mainly in person, do more in-person events. Um, I do think that you need to be wary that, uh, again, that the super cool events you're not leaving the, the people that are remote out. So not to repeat that same mistake. Other than that, there also needs to be a fair understanding from the employees. And a good example of that is like pre-COVID, Confetti would do a bunch of like ice cream parties at offices, right? An ice cream party is something that's much easier to do when you're in person by bringing, you know, a bunch of tubs of ice cream. And it, it hits less when you're just shipping someone a pint of ice cream for them to enjoy in their house. So there needs to be a fair understanding from employees. There will be differences between in-person events and virtual events. But what we're doing, at least uh, for our team and moving forward now that we're raising our, our Series A, we're allocating a budget for one global offsite for all teams to get together. Uh, there, it has to be everyone in terms of like the, the opportunity to, to join needs to be distributed to everyone. And then currently with our size, we can also do one local offsite. So that means either team members that are cross departmental uh, can meet in, in an area region that's like the Northeast, yeah. uh, you know, the West Coast. And then the rest is virtual. And the distribution that we currently have both internally and recommend externally is there should be one larger quarterly event. This is something that usually is 60 minutes to 120 minutes. It's something that's very generous. An example of what we did in Thanksgiving is we did a hand pie baking class. Uh, so, you know, people can invite their kids and it could be like a fun occasion. One smaller quarterly event. So an example for that is for Valentine's Day, we did uh, employee superlatives and each team was broken out and had to create superlatives for the other team. And then we had in our town hall a full showcasing of all those superlatives. And then often one gift related experience, and this could be a mug swap or we sent champagne for a milestone. So you wanna have one touch yeah. point per month with your employees. I love that. It's something exactly in line with what, what I've been saying to companies for, for the past, I don't know, however many years, that if you have the budget for like even just once a year to get the team together, or then perhaps similar to you have like maybe one quarterly, so the team can get together maybe twice twice a year. Well, what do you do in between those times? Is it just kind of like nothing? And you're like, you're relying on like that one or two times a year that you get together and that's when you when you do something? 
Or is this where, you know, you have the virtual events and the different things like that you've been mentioning in between those to continue building those relationships to make those opportunities that you actually get to see each other even more rewarding and even more, you know, eventful that you've been building re these relationships, playing games or swapping mugs or, or doing like the, whatever it may be for the last few months. Now, when you get to sit there in person sitting next to them, again, that relationship, you know, deepens and continues to deepen after that for all the future events. And yeah, I think that's uh, very interesting. Um, a question I guess more towards the virtual type of events, but how can companies engage introverts, you know, with these teams, with these team events? Because again, it's maybe the person's not there, so you can't physically engage them and they're sitting behind a Zoom screen, you know, similar to, to this. Um, and it's a lot easier for them to kind of be quiet in the background. So how you know, can, can companies really make sure that their extroverts, their introverts, excuse me, are engaged in these uh, virtual events? Yeah. So, I, I've actually been thinking about this a lot this week in general, just what does it mean to be engaged and what does, what does participation look like? Does participation just mean showing up or does participation mean actively engaging? I think for, for introverts, there's obviously also a, a wide array of what introvert can actually mean. For for some people, it, it doesn't mean that I don't like socializing with people. It might just mean that they want to socialize with a small group sure. of people and they prefer not to be in bigger groups. Or for some people, uh, and I would consider myself an introvert that sometimes acts like an extrovert. So it's, it's mis uh, <laughs> misrepresented as an extrovert. Uh, I very much gain energy when I'm in a one-to-one -one situation. So I, I know we have a, hopefully an audience of, of people that are listening, sure. here, but to me, you and I are in a room kind of together. So this actually gives me energy, but once I'm in a crowd of people and there's like, you know, hundreds of people around me, I come home and I'm like, I need to take a nap. <laughs> like, no, I need to recover. Yep. Uh, so, so introverts use a lot of things, but I think as humans, we all enjoy socializing. We enjoy um, that human connection and, and, and deepening our understanding of ourselves, of the world. And if you give that opportunity to people, any person, I think that, that pretty much everyone's going to reach out and, and grab that. I think that the conversation that I'm curious of having when it comes to like, what is an introvert or what are these people within a group that aren't participating is really looking at what is a quality of a good leader. And yesterday, as I was, I was prepping for uh, this talk, I was thinking to myself, like extrovert is if you go on Google and you type like, qualities of a leader. You're not going to get extrovert on any of those uh, lists that I've seen. And, oh. <laughs> you know, Forbes, I think it was... Uh-oh. <laughs> uh -oh, that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's plenty of other things, but I think that uh, the ones that come closest to what's considered an extrovert is people with charisma or people with really great communication skills or people who have the drive or ability to develop others or empathize or support. These are all qualities that signify what is what is a good leader. And I think that part of that responsibility is on the host, right? Yeah. We, uh, purposefully have a closed marketplace because for us, the quality of the vendors that we're bringing onto Confetti is extremely important. We know that a truly good event and a truly good host brings that human element that we all possess out. And we love getting the testimonials where people say, even the quiet ones participated. Um, and I think that on, on the flip side, from a management perspective and more things that we're looking into doing in 2022 is how do we build more levels of data to share with the head of HR or the leaders? Hey, these are the people that participated. And I think a good leader understands that their participation is crucial in a team building event. And if it's great, then amazing, right? Hopefully it naturally makes them want to participate. But even if it's, if it's bad, that level of part oh, sure. participation is important for your team. And I think that kind of like when you go on a, I love comparing business to dating. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know about you, but I always see the synergies of uh, one to the other. So, you know, I, I've 
we've all had a bad meal before we've all gone to a, a on a date and and had like just like the meal flopped. Yep. and it's all of course you can go on that date and say oh, what a terrible meal and be like kind of you know the negative person i was like gosh this was such a bummer this was awful yep. or you can laugh it off and take that moment to be with your team be like this is a natural process. This shouldn't stop you from eating at restaurants sure. forever. This shouldn't stop you from going on another date. But taking that room, being like, oh, remember that bad team building yeah. event that we had that was so corny? Or, hey, remember that really amazing team building event compared to this one? Like, take that moment to kind of appreciate what, what you kind of have. No, I, I love that idea. It's you know, taking a negative situation, trying to turn it positive of, yeah, you remember that, you remember what happened or that, that actually is very interesting. And it's even potentially like a learning experience, like you said, of, you know, maybe sending out like pulse surveys afterwards, you know, whether it's through, through Confetti or other tools and being able to learn what events are good and what are not, what people like, what people don't like. So the, the team knows and Confetti knows how can we improve the, the quality and the types of events that we're doing to make sure that each and every event is engaging, is rewarding, is entertaining. Um, so you never have to have to have those moments where you try to no laugh uh, on, on past failure, but then, I mean, the communication opportunity and that feedback is, is certainly core, even for a, a poor experience or something that wasn't as, as fun uh, is definitely a great learning opportunity. Like I completely agree with that. Exactly. Uh, yeah, you can better refine what people want by learning from that experience, asking what people like, seeing how they like to spend their time. As you mentioned, like creating surveys post the event, so you can be like, all right, we're not going to do that yeah. again, or hey, we're going to do that again. Yeah. Like whatever those things are, use the data that you're collecting to start steering the team towards better engagement, but not doing something just because you had a bad experience isn't, isn't a good excuse. Yeah. Um, my next question, it's also around the idea of the virtual events and moving again from what we were doing in the office together from now what we're doing virtual. I, I've spoken to a number of companies that are creating these types of events for, for virtual teams. And for me, the, the single biggest unlock for the company who was able to find this ma called magic unlock will be those interactions between employees that how does I guess confetti and your thoughts of the types of events you do, because it's great if you're in the office and you're doing a cooking lesson, right? Before, you know, you could have a food fight, you could throw dough on somebody or flour and like you're doing a game and high fives and things like that. And you had like that, that interaction, that person to person interaction when you're in the same space that you don't have now when doing like a chess thing or an origami. Again, it's nice and it's interesting, but it's missing out on that person to person interaction. And I think for me, that's like the key of what successful events will be. It's like, okay, if you're just learning how to play chess or learning how to make origami, oh yeah, that's fun. But it was just me and like in a box in my zoom box and like there was nothing to do with anybody else. So I would love to hear how you're thinking about it, how you're working to make sure that all the, the events and what teams can be doing to make sure they're looking for those right events, have those, those interactions between teams. So even if it's like a chess thing, okay, you learn how to play chess, but then you play chess against each other. So there's still like that one-to-one -one or one-to-group interaction instead of just being me here in this box. Totally. I think that uh, there's, there's a handful of things I can say. And one of them is naturally each category of the experiences that I had mentioned earlier really allows for different things. As, as you mentioned, things like origami, where you're creating, you're following an instructor, you're doing things, but it's relatively like, I don't want to say silent because there are ways that even our hosts are engaging the team, whether there's a playlist in the background and you're watching how people are dancing, or you're really encouraging comments in the chat, or you're uh, getting the host to show people, hey, talk to me about like the origami that you yep. did and, and people like show it or um, then just having it in on your desk and people can see it in your next Zoom meeting. So there's all these like little mm -hmm. elements. I think that I want to, when, when it comes to the like events world and, and like games is a great vehicle to express uh, that interpersonal interaction by getting a good enough host. And again, my emphasis on quality sure. experiences is, is definitely my, my overall belief in how we can 
create these interpersonal interactions because a good host can facilitate that. On a different note, I think, you know, I, I know that it's totally possible because I do see my my team with this today. It's it's allowing your team members to be playful while they're at work and not giving, like creating a culture that shows that if they're playful or if they're fun or if they're silly, that they're not professionals. Sure. And we should have clear goals, clear objectives that show that people are professionals. Yep. We should have uh, 360 degree reviews. So uh, employees grade their managers, managers can grade their their employees. And that that is what people are graded on. And that is what professionalism means. Professionalism shouldn't mean hey, you know, I have a silly Zoom background or I use emojis, so therefore I'm not a professional yep. or I like to use GIFs, I'm not a professional. So you have to first build a culture that is truly authentic and intentional in the actions that you're doing. If I'm going to be uh, asking you how your day is or I'm going to be carving out those five minutes at the beginning of a meeting to learn a little bit about you before we start talking about like the essence of the conversation, then do it like real, like yep. give people like a good question, a good, you know, like don't just do it as a checkbox. If you are busy, then, you know, one thing that we also normalize here at Confetti is, hey, so sorry, on a tight schedule today, let's just hammer through the checklist, let's just power through it. And that's also okay, sure. you can give room for both things. But truly allowing people to, you know, just be be themselves. Um, I, I want to also share that me and my co-founder haven't seen each other in two and a half years ever since COVID yeah. happened. And when people you know, tell me that, like, oh, you you can't do you can't solve all problems in a virtual workplace. I really think to myself, gosh, me and this man, there's nothing we haven't <laughs> solved virtually. Yep. We have had to pivot from in-person events to virtual yep. events. We grew our team from 10 to 60. We have raised capital. And no one needs to see my feet or my legs in order to solve an operational bottleneck, 100%. right? Like there are so many beautiful tools today to, to bridge that yep. gap. I think that the tactical ways to create this interpersonal connection during an event is hiring a professional, keeping things fun and fresh. So sometimes you're doing a game that really requires that connection. And sometimes you're doing that origami that's a little bit more an experience that you're doing with yourself or, or with your friends, family, kids, whatever yeah. it is in that Zoom, cream, um, Zoom screen. I think the other thing is um, accepting that virtual events are different, but that different can often be better. And I sure. think that and a good example of that is cooking classes, right? In the in-person world for professional, like team building cooking classes, you'd have to share a kitchen with often multiple people in that room, whether it's 12 people or 40 people, it's too many cooks in a kitchen, yep. literally. And when you're in a virtual setting, everyone has a kitchen at home. So being able to include your your, your kids and your family is usually a privilege that you weren't able to do in the in-person You got it. That was, now you, and now you have it. So bring your dog into the Zoom room and um, allow your team to just be themselves, have that sarcasm, have those gifts, have those emojis, the current day way of expressing themselves and don't count it against them. Interesting. I want to bring out one point that I absolutely loved before I get to the last question, um, especially about those potentially siloed um, alone time events like origami of making, bringing that culture of take a picture of your origami, you know, share your origami, short pictures within Slack, um, maybe do a contest, right? Maybe the best looking origami or the best thing like wins an award or something like that. Then you can take those opportunities of having kind of like a static you know, alone type event and build that engagement with the team around it, even and maybe outside of that event. That's actually, that's that's fascinating. That's fantastic. Um, last question, I know we're getting low on time. For leaders who are, who are listening to this podcast, inspired, saying, hey, I need to do some kind of engagement. I need to do something fun for my team you know, to in, in, instill this happiness and engagement there. Um, but they may not have the budget. It's kind of spoken, maybe early stage teams. 
you have maybe three things that teams could do or leaders could do that could be maybe free or at a very low cost. Again, they could do today. Totally. So uh, a few things. One of them is naturally the internet is an incredible resource. So there are so many things that you can Google today and do. Um, one example, as I had mentioned for, for Valentine's Day, we did superlatives. So uh, we broke teams off into smaller groups and we had each team choose a superlative for the members of another group. So some examples is like uh, best me backgrounds or most likely to snack during a call. And then we presented those in the next town hall. And you hire Svelte is a great way and opportunity to just meet other people on the team and existing employees, uh, learn something about even like our longest standing team members. Uh, that was very fun and special. Another example for Halloween, we had everyone, everyone who wanted to participate sure, sure. put on costumes in the past that were very elaborate. And then we made a competition where people voted on who had the best costume. And this is connecting your personal life yep. with a professional yep. life. We didn't ask them to show up in costumes. We said creating icebreaker questions just in the beginning of, of that call. Um, I think, you know, two other big, that's like the team building yep. category. Um, two other fun things that we've done at Confetti. One of them is we have a very reoccurring group playlists that uh, allow us to be meetings to kind of always launch using one of the suggestions that people put. There's always comments in that Slack chat about what are the songs for the week yep. that we're going to be in. Like there's always kind of fun banter around that. And then lastly, curated Slack groups in general, whether it's uh, essentially our Confetti Pets channel is definitely one of our most popular, but allowing people to bring that cat, that dog, that hamster, whatever oh, yeah. it is, those funny photos, those videos into the workplace. And again, just humanizing it all. So. Amazing. Amazing. Leaders, there's so much amazing little points that, that have come out on this episode. I, no, thank you so much. Um, for people listening who want to get a hold of you, find out more about you, more about Confetti, what's the, the best way to get a hold of you, get a hold of Confetti? Absolutely. So uh, for Confetti, real simple, all you have to do is go online and go to withconfetti.com. We have a uh, intercom chat. You can really just message us with anything that you have any questions for. We're happy to schedule a call and get on the phone with you. As for me, I like to stay very accessible to people. My email is lee at withconfetti.com. Um, free to email me, ask me any questions, love helping uh, early stage entrepreneurs get their business up and running. And uh, yeah, feel free to follow me on LinkedIn. I'm I'm very much excited for the years to come. Amazing. We'll, we'll put those profiles and information in the show notes. And Lee, again, thank you so much for, for sharing the amazing insights and the conversation today. Yeah. And I guess uh, until the next episode, have a great day. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning into today's episode of Leading from Afar. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can learn more on our website, leadingfromafar.com, and subscribe to the podcast in your favorite app. This podcast is all about you, the remote leaders. We'd love to hear from you with your feedback or ideas for future topics and remote leaders we should be speaking with. Mm -hmm.